Okay, what thoughts come to your mind when I mention the word work? For some it could be painful, boring, waste of time, dreary. Well, please don't mention it, maybe. Could be that for some people. For others it could be satisfying, rewarding, stimulating, achievement, helping or income earning for a holiday or a car or something like that, or even I can't wait to get there. People can see work both ways. Uh, Did you know that God wants us to work? He wants us to work. It's actually part of his original creation for us to be satisfied in him as we work. And uh, Jesus tells us here in Matthew 25, where we're going to go today, that work is what we must do whilst waiting for his return to come back for Jesus to take the church to be with him. Jesus is saying we need to be working while we're waiting for him to return back to uh, this earth again. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Matthew 25, and we're going to read from verses uh, 14 to 30. If you haven't got a Bible, uh, we're going to put up on the screen, but your Bible might also be on an electronic device. That's totally okay. It's all still God's Word. So verse 14, we're going to read from there. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given." And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, Father, what a privilege it is to uh, come around your word today. We ask and pray now that Holy Spirit, you would come and you would breathe life into this word. As we begin to just think about here the end times and Jesus preparing us for life, to live now in this waiting period, this period of readiness, help us to see today that you've called us to work, to be industrious, 
with the talents and gifts and abilities that you've given to us. We ask now for your help, Holy Spirit, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're doing here over the month of January is we're looking at some of these parables or stories of Jesus and kingdom living. That is, living in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's primarily a spiritual kingdom as such. In that sense, we don't physically see Jesus or hear him physically. But at the same time, this kingdom is working out through us in a physical way as we're being transformed to live the way he's called us to live. So it's living out practically what Jesus' teachings are. Uh, So again, Jesus is giving teaching here, particularly in Matthew 24 and 25, uh, about his second coming. We saw last week that basically for all of history, bar 30 years, we've been waiting for Jesus to return. So Jesus is giving more teaching here about what it is to look like to live in readiness for Jesus' second coming. Last week we looked at being ready by living holy lives. And this week we're going to look at uh, how it is to live in readiness and instructions there. And what that will be is how to live our lives as an act of worship, living in readiness for our King and Saviour to return from the foundation that He's already saved us. We don't live this way to earn our salvation. We live this way from the foundation of what Christ has already done in saving us. So let's jump in. And look at that today. We see this great story here and look at it through the different characters involved here and what Jesus is trying to teach us through this parable. Firstly, we need to see there's a master here. There's a master here right at the top of the parable. We see that. This master is going on a long journey. He has servants. And to each of these servants, he gives talents to before this long journey he's about to go on. What does that mean? Jesus telling the story. What does this mean? Well, in the whole context of the scene here in Matthew 24, 25, it means this. Jesus is the master. Jesus is the master in this story. His going on a long journey is his returning to heaven. And this long period of time is until he comes back. That sets the scene here, the context for this uh, parable. The servants are us. We are the servants in this story. Actually, all of humanity in some sense is represented here by the servants. Will either be true servants or false servants in this parable or in this story. In the meantime, though, he's given his servants these talents. Now, you might be asking, what are these talents? Well, in the immediate context of what Jesus says, it is talking about money. And if you look at the, uh, the talents there, actually, it's quite a significant uh, sum of money. But I can assure you, Jesus is not just referring to money only as he talks about this parable. He has a far broader understanding in mind as he communicates that. I'm very sure that the people hearing that day would have got that as well. That it wasn't just money. These talents are a whole range of things. These talents are inclusive of all things that God has given to us. Abilities such as, I can read. That's a talent. I can write. That's a talent. I can help people. That's a talent. I can serve people. That's a talent. Medical abilities, just like Stephen's got. Singing abilities, just like I haven't got. Mechanical, administrative, cooking, listening, farming, homemaking, electrical. And that list could go on and on and on and on. Even things like time and energy are talents or gifts or things that God has given to us. All of us, every single person sitting in this room in the Goulburn Valley 
All have been given gifts or talents or skills that differ according to each person. We haven't all got the same set of skills or talents or gifts or abilities. And also these vary in competency with each individual person as well. Singing, some people can sing really well. Sam Peterson is a great singer. Some people can sing okay. And other people just can't sing. It's all right. It's just varying levels of competency. That's okay. The point is, even, sorry, in this, Jesus communicates that, I think, as well, because he said to some he gave five talents, and to one he gave two talents, and to one, one talent. So we've got varying levels of competency there as well. The point is this, though. Everybody without exception, without exception, has been given a talent or a gift by God. Not something we've earned. Not something I've actually gone and bought or paid for. It's something we've been given. Something we've been given. Paul actually highlights this for us in 1 Corinthians 4. He says this to the Corinthians, who were a very talented church. And he says this, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Quite a proud church of all the gifts and talents they had. And Paul's saying, What do you have things that you did not receive. Nothing. Because everything you've received, you've been given. Everything we have from God in the way of talents and skills and gifts are given to us by God and every single person has a gift of some sort. God is extremely generous. More generous than we can ever imagine. Each of us, each of us has been given a gift or a talent from the Master in some way. Servants. So we are his servants and he's given us these gifts or talents or abilities. What are we to do with these talents? What are we to do with these abilities, these gifts that God has given to us? The whole point of the parable is right here in answering that question. It says there we've been entrusted, right at the top of that parable, he entrusted his servants with talents. We've been entrusted with these talents from God to be industrious with them. Jesus wants us to work these talents. He wants us to use these talents. He wants us to be active with these talents. Look at what the first servant does in verse 16 here in this parable. He says this, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. What did he do when he received the talent? He went at once and he worked that talent. He traded that talent. Probably not the stock exchange back then, but whatever he did, he actually did something. Could have invested with the bankers. He didn't linger around sort of admiring his talent or gift. He didn't actually go and get his talent or gift and sort of go and show everybody just how important he was. And I don't think he would have put it on Instagram as well to try and put up a following and say, hey, look at my talent. He didn't do that. At once, it said, at once he went and put that talent straight to work. He used it immediately. And this is how God has created us. He's created us to work. In the Garden of Eden, before the fall of mankind, we were, Adam was placed in the garden to work it, created to be useful and industrious with what God has given us. Since the fall, and especially if we've been redeemed by the gospel, this is made known to us more surely. Look in Ephesians chapter 2 here, as Paul writes this to the Ephesians. For we are his workmanship. Salvation is a work of Christ in our hearts. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
God's created us to do good works, to work. And beforehand, he's prepared this so that we would walk in them, so that we would work out with the gifts and talents that we have been given. Paul says it again in Romans 12, but we had uh, Roger read from us this morning. Verse 3 says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, among you not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, one body, many members. And the members do not all have the same function. We've all got different functions, all got different gifts. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace that given to us. So our gifts differ. They're all different between all of us. What's Paul say next? Let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Paul's not giving us an exhaustive list of gifts or abilities there. He's just pulling some out. But what's he say there? Let us use them. Let us use them. Let us work the gifts that God has given us. God has created us to work, to work for his glory. If I'm at home like I was on Saturday, wiping down the benches, I can wipe down the benches for the glory of God. It's a gift and talent. I've got some arms that can function and do that. Some people can't do that. Let's wipe down the benches for the glory of God. If I'm driving the tractor on the farm, it's in worship for the talent that God has given to me to be able to drive that tractor on the farm and do what I need to do. If I'm picking somebody up for church, it's in praise for the talent that God has given to me to be able to go and pick somebody up and bring to church. God's created us to work. It's not God's will that we sit in idleness as it were, waiting for Jesus to return. Just sitting back and we'll just wait for Jesus to come. That's not what he's asked us to do. God hasn't given us a talent here so that we hide it and not use it and put it away. That's, God, that's not God's intention for us. Idleness like that does not bring glory to God. That's not the call that Jesus has put onto us. Let me just say a few things here, though, about our talents that God has given us. This may answer a few questions that could be rolling around in your mind. Every talent is needed and valued in God's kingdom. There's no talent too small. We can't sit there and say, what good am I? All I can do is pick up somebody to the church and bring them along. That's really good for nothing, isn't it? No way. That's a gift. That is a gift. You actually get to pick up somebody and bring them along to church to be part of the community, to grow in the gospel so they become a strong disciple of Jesus. That's brilliant. That's needed. That's valued. That is a great gift. Don't ever think a gift is too small. Not all talents or gifts are sort of upfront, high-profile talents or gifts. But let me say this about that. This gifting that God has given me to stand up here and do this comes with a greater responsibility. We're told that in the book of James. You know, you desire to be a teacher? It's a good thing, but you'll have higher responsibility and answerability before God. The greater the gift, the greater the responsibility. 
Every talent is needed to be used to help grow Jesus' kingdom here upon the earth as we wait for his return. Let me say this about our talents, gifts or abilities that God's given to us. We all go through ages and stages with the abilities that we are given. In case you haven't worked it out by now, I'm 53 years old. I may not look like 53 years old, but I am 53 years old and I'm not 23 years old. At 23, uh, I could work on average 10 to 15 hours a day during our annual summer harvest on the orchard. Uh, We'd often do this six days a week. We would be up at sort of six o'clock in the morning and often wouldn't finish till maybe 11 o'clock at night often. Sometimes we'd work till one o'clock in the morning then get up at six again and do it again the next day. Often six days a week. And Laurel can recall at one stage we had to work 30 days straight due to extreme weather conditions. At 23, I could do this, right? 53, mm, don't think so. I haven't got the same stamina. I haven't got the same energy. Perhaps I could do eight hours a day for six days a week, but nothing like the 10 or 15 hours a day I did back then when the harvest was calling for it. I'm older. My body doesn't have the same capacity as before. It's totally okay. My talent is still being used in a different level as previously. At varying ages, we'll have varying capacities. Jesus knows that. And he's totally okay with that. He knows me better than I know myself. He doesn't expect any more than what my body can deliver at this particular time. Also, it could be health conditions might restrict your capacities with the talents and gifts that God's given you. It's totally okay. Jesus knows that. We have different stages of life as well. Might have the energy, but we've got different stages of life. Uh, When we were first married, Laurel, my wife, was involved in music. Uh, at the church, minimum two to three times a month. Sometimes if the roster was really thin, she would do every week of the month on music. At the same time, she was involved in the ladies' ministry at the church and she was also cooking meals in the hospitality ministry within the church as well. As well as that, Laurel was working full-time as a vet receptionist and also she fitted in Saturday afternoon competition tennis as well. Sounds like a pretty full life, doesn't it? It was. It was good fun. Then something happened. Do you know what happened? Yep, one of them's right there beside her. We had kids and it was great. And ever guess what happened then? She couldn't do what she previously could do. She had a different stage of life. Things came along and changed. She basically dropped out of everything during the birth of our kids. And then slowly, as things got back into order again... She would just step back into uh, those levels of serving again. And that's totally okay again, because we have different stages of life that we go through, and they will have an effect on our abilities and what we can and can't do. And that's okay, because Jesus doesn't expect any more than we can do in the relation to the stage of life we're at, because he knows exactly where we're at. We have different ages, and we have different stages through life with the abilities and talents we're given. Here's a warning, though. Some of us will use an age or stage of life as a way to just take our foot off the pedal, deliberately. We'll look for any excuse, perhaps, to go into cruise mode and take an easier path of less work with the talents God has given us. Why do I say this? This is pretty well how the world conditions us that we live in. 
The dream is to get to retirement as quickly as you possibly can and then go into cruise mode for the rest of your life. It's marketed to us at a very, very early age. Just get to retirement as quick as you can, sit back, relax, and work towards a cruise of your life because you've earned it. We have to really watch that. Because that's what conditions our mind. So we do tend to want to back off and take the path of least resistance or less work. Jesus doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to keep working industrious. Look what Paul said there in Romans 12, 11, as Roger read for it before. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit with a gift or talent of God. And that's exactly how Jesus wants us to live through the ages and stages of life as we wait in his return to come back uh, to earth. Let's close out this parable with some beautiful motivations that Jesus gives to us in this parable for serving the Lord with zeal with our talents. How does Jesus respond to the servants who worked hard with their talents, traded with it? Look in verse 21, he says this, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's get the picture here. Let's think about the end of time. My life is over or Jesus has come back to uh, claim his church. And I'm standing before him and I'm turning in an account of the talents that he's been given, been given to me, like gifts or abilities or whatever that may be. Look at the gracious and beautiful words here of Jesus, our Lord and Master. There's actually three precious rewards here that Jesus is actually highlighting for us in this parable. The first one is a reward of praise. What's the first words there? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. What a blessing. What a glorious blessing to hear that from the Jesus as, his, as those words come off his lips. Just imagine standing before the king of the universe when your life is over and you've done all that you could with what you had at the time. And he stands before you with a smile on his face and a voice filled with encouragement. And he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a reward. That's a blessing of praise. Anybody is lifted by that. Secondly, there's a reward here also of more responsibility in eternity. What's he say next? You have been faithful over little, I will set you over much. Some of us may not want more responsibility, but I think it's a great thing. It's a reward. There's satisfaction and achievement in being responsible and seeing things take place. Jesus says, you've been faithful over little, I will set you over much. That's a reward of more responsibility and a great blessing that we can uh, draw from that. He'd entrust us with much, much more in his glory in eternity. Thirdly, and probably the most glorious here, I think, of these rewards is this one. It is knowing the joy of the master. What's it say there? Last part of that verse. Enter into the joy of your master. As we serve faithfully and industriously with the talents that we've received, and we stand before Jesus with our life, giving an account... 
we will know and experience the eternal joy of the joy giver of the universe. This, I think, will be the most glorious reward to receive in heaven. To be in the presence of Jesus and to know his joy, his joy is beyond our description. To live in the joy of Christ, not my joy, but his joy, to live in the joy of Christ will make all our labours of serving, with the talents we've been given, seem like nothing. Now, many people come here and they set up these chairs and they pull out all the uh, stuff from the truck. That's all pretty heavy. That's heavy work. But if we just begin to glimpse the joy it is to serve the Master with the talents and gifts that He's given to us, it will seem a pleasant task because of the joy that we have to look forward to in entering into our Master's joy. They are glorious rewards at the end of our labours. We get them in part now by the Spirit living inside of us, but we get them in fullness in eternity. Our work, our God-given talents will not be in vain. They will not be in vain. They will be rewarded generously by a generous and gracious God. Now, I do need to make mention here about third servant because Jesus tells us about him as well. It's a very poignant part of the parable here, very important part of the parable as well. This third servant was no true servant. He was a false servant in every way. He was given talents just like the rest. But this third servant, he didn't value or respect the master or the talent given to him. In verse 18, we see what he did. What did he do? He went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his talent away. Giving something precious and valuable by the master, he goes and digs in the dirt and covers it over and hides it. And then the third servant has come and called for an account as well. So, you know, what did you do with my talent? We see that in verses 24 and 25. And he says, oh, master, I, I, I knew you to be a hard and unjust man, you know, expecting something from nothing. So fearfully, I just gave back what is yours. Jesus can see right through this false servant. Jesus can see through this hypocritical nature here of this servant. He's a pretender. He's not a true servant. Jesus replies in verse 26 and 7, he says this. Is that how you knew me? Is that what you actually thought of me? Did you think I was really that hard? Well, if you thought that, you should have worked doubly hard doing something with the talent that I gave you. That's paraphrasing what Jesus is saying there. But you didn't. You didn't. Now, Jesus gets pretty uncomfortable here. Pretty uncomfortable. Actually, Jesus, in some respects, is an uncomfortable character. He does disturb our lives, but for a very, very, very good reason. He says, you wicked, slothful servant. You lazy person. I gave you a generous talent, and you did nothing with it. He didn't truly know me or respect me. He didn't truly value me or honour me. In fact, you didn't even try to know me truly. The thoughts you had of me were false. They were a preconceived idea that I was some sort of hard, unjust person. 
He didn't even try to truly know me. They're strong words of Jesus, but that's exactly true. It's exactly right. He was a false servant. So it's a bit like a number one tennis player here who gets up to make their speech after a victory and they say, it's all about me. I deserve this title. I'm a self-made player. I'm the best, so I deserve the best. That was his victory speech. Yet meanwhile, his coach and support team are looking on in bewilderment. Hang on. We've sharpened all of your talents. We've massaged all of your sore back and sore legs. And you're saying it's all about you. Where's the respect and the value you put on us? So it's the same. No respect or no value here for the master. Jesus says, you wicked, slothful person. It's a big contrast between well done, good and faithful servant and you wicked, slothful servant. Just imagine those words. Sometimes I stop and I read that and I try and picture myself however that may look there and I hear those words and it makes me shudder. It makes me shudder that the king of the universe would call me that. You wicked, slothful servant. That's what it will be for all those who've rejected Jesus. That's what it will be for all those who have not acknowledged him as their Lord and Saviour and called upon him to save them and to use their talents and gifts for his glory. You wicked, slothful servant. Jesus, though, is calling us by his grace through this parable to a more glorious path. He takes no delight in seeing people waste their lives through selfish living. Jesus is calling us to a life of service and delight in him as we wait for his return. Jesus actually liberates us from this narrow life of living for self. He expands our horizon by the gospel coming to be born upon our minds and our hearts and opens us up to a brand new world of living for him and serving him and finding true meaning and satisfaction in him. Look what Jesus says here in Mark chapter 10. For even, for even the Son of Man came not to be served. He didn't come for the easy life, sit back, relax and enjoy. Look forward to your retirement, Jesus. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served us at the cross to set us free from sin, to set us free from the chains of slavery of living for self so that we could serve Jesus and serve others and know great joy and great reward in that. Let me finish here with a uh, story of service uh, for the Lord. I've got a friend, and some of you will know this friend as I mention his name. I've known this man for 45 years. His name is Ron Martin. I had a good conversation with Ron on the telephone last night and had a chat to him. I first met Ron about 1975, 1976, so roughly 45 years ago. Uh, Ron is a very unassuming type of person who's always generally quite a cheerful person. Uh, Ron held down a full-time job, and when I first knew him, he was uh, herd testing cattle around the Shepparton area here in the Golden Valley. And later after that, he actually worked in disability services as well. Uh, Ron was a guy who faithfully turned up to church week after week after week after week, who organised a whole range of things 
which were sort of behind the scene tasks at the church to help keep the church going. Ron was using his talents. Ron was using his gifts to help organise things that often other people didn't think about or didn't see or perhaps didn't value as well. As well as doing these things, Ron would often be picking up people for church and bringing them along to church, which would mean sometimes Ron would get there at, say, 9 o'clock for a 10 o'clock service, work for 45 minutes, organising things behind the scenes, then get in the car, drive off, pick somebody and bring them back to church. That's who Ron was. Very faithful, very industrious. About 15 years ago, Ron got quite ill. Seriously ill. Some very significant medical issues in Ron's life. This took the wind right out of his sails. Actually, Ron was very close to dying, probably on more than one occasion at this particular time. He wasn't able to do as much as he used to be able to do. But as soon as Ron began to feel better again and a bit stronger, what did Ron do? He jumped straight back into serving, helping, faithfully around the church for Jesus' kingdom. Ron just kept at it, doing what he could, while he could, sometimes much, sometimes little. Ron has always served to inspire me with his faithfulness, not looking for the big sort of reputation about all of it, willing to do all the unnoticed tasks with the talents that God had given to him week after week and year after year. Now, Ron's not a high-profile sort of guy. As I was thinking about to finish this talk, I thought of, I had a good story about a missionary. I thought, in some ways, we don't connect to the missionary because they sort of might have a high profile. See, Ron is just like us. He's no different to us. He's just doing his thing in a very unassuming way. Ron is your everyday faithful follower of Jesus. You see, that's all that Jesus asks of us. To be faithful and energetic with zeal and energy with our God-given talents and gifts. Use them. Let us use them, as Paul says, to see more disciples of Jesus made in our region here in the Golden Valley. The question is this, what are you doing with your talents today? What are you doing with the gifts and abilities that God has given to you? You didn't earn them. You received them. What are you doing with those gifts and talents that God has given you? If we will but just use them for God's glory, trusting in Christ, you'll hear these wonderful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you today thanking you again for this tremendous privilege and opportunity to come and to gather around your word. Lord, what a a blessing it is to have Jesus so clearly speaking to us from the book of Matthew. He is coming again. He is returning. We don't know where. We don't know when. But we know he's coming again. And we thank you that, Jesus, you have spoken to us clearly on how we should live in readiness, industrious, energetic with the skills and the gifts and talents given to us not to sit in idleness Lord as it were just waiting for you to come but to go about our everyday tasks just like Ron was and still is doing Lord God I pray today please let your spirit work that into our hearts now that you've given us gifts and talents so that we can use them we can work them we can be active with them we can serve you with them and serve our community with them
and to see you receive that glory, Lord. And also, God, that we will hear those glorious words as we enter into your presence and enter into your joy. God, I pray, let your spirit work deeply in our hearts. Renew us, I pray, Holy Spirit, with that fresh energy and fresh zeal, no matter what age or stage we're at, to commit ourselves, Lord, to using these gifts and talents for your glory. Father, we ask that, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, worship team is going to come and pray, uh, play for us again. I'm going to be down at the front. If you have any questions about today's talk or you'd like some prayer, please uh, come and see me. I'd love to catch up with you uh, for that. Thank you.